Wrestling with Theology is a weekly Bible study that seeks to equip you to wrestle with the theologies that surround us in our everyday life. Through these studies, your faith in Christ will be strengthened through the Scriptures and the Lutheran Confessions. Join Pastor Minton for these next few minutes as he helps you get ready to wrestle with theology. Wrestling with Theology. I am Pastor Doug Minton, your host and your guide as we dig deeper into the book of Exodus this week. Beginning in chapter 23 at verse 10, but I'll get to that in a minute. This is a reminder that this week is the last week of our old format of the four different topics throughout the month. Next week starts the new format with the month of July, where we have Confessional Corner on the first Wednesday, Digging Deeper on the third Wednesday, the second and fourth Wednesdays, we will go into Pro Wrestling America, a fantasy wrestling league that gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how a promoter and booker runs a wrestling promotion. And then the fifth will still be Wrestle Extravaganza, where we continue to look at the supercards throughout the years. That's the way Wrestling with Theology will be starting next week, the first Wednesday in July. So as I said a moment ago, we are starting in Exodus chapter 23, verse 10, to dig deeper into what God has to say as he gets ready to solidify his covenant with his people, first by giving them holy days and seasons, much like we have in our church year. So Exodus 23, verses 10 and 11. For six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield. But the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beast of the field may eat. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. Not only was there a Sabbath day, but there was a Sabbath year. And that will go on later to find the year of Jubilee where all debts are canceled. Everything goes back to the original family owners in the inheritance of the promised land. Anything that has been taken away in the, since the last year of Jubilee is all given back. And everything is cleared off. It's like a national declaration of bankruptcy. And everybody starts over again for the next 50-year cycle. But for every seven years, you have that year where the land is given to rest. You do not plant, but you let whatever grows, grows. And that's for the poor and for the beasts of the field. God is teaching to be good stewards by making sure that we ration what is given in the other years so that we still have plenty for the year where there is no crop in the field. Now we move into the Sabbath day in verse 12. Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, 
that your ox and your donkey may have rest, that the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. Here we have the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Part of keeping it holy was not doing any physical labor. The Pharisees went overboard with what it meant to do physical labor on there and not just lay on your couch. But what does God say about the Sabbath? First of all, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, tells the Pharisees in Mark 2.27 that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And that is done for rest, for refreshment, so that you may be able to go on in the next week and survive those next six days. Just like we come to church every Sunday to worship, to be refreshed, so that we can go back out and wrestle with all the theologies that are out there. Or give ourselves one day to rest and to relax and to remember what God has truly said so that we can go out and combat what people say God said, but God never really said. Luther writes about this, Man was especially created for the knowledge and worship of God. For the Sabbath was not ordained for sheep and cows, but for men that in them the knowledge of God might be developed and might increase. Therefore, although man lost his knowledge of God, nevertheless God wanted this command about sanctifying the Sabbath to remain in force. On the seventh day he wanted men to busy themselves both with his word and with the other forms of worship established by him, so that we might give first thought to the fact that this nature was created chiefly for acknowledging and glorifying God. So far Luther. We were created for the knowledge and glorification of God. We lost that in the fall. But God still gives us the Sabbath to be able to remember what it was like, to know what it will be like when he comes to bring us home to be with him in heaven. The Sabbath is about rest, because Sabbath means rest. But rest in the way Jesus means it. When he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and lowly. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There's still work to be done, but it is light and easy work to be done. We continue in verse 13. Pay attention to all that I have said to you, and make no mention of the names of other gods, nor let it be heard on your lips. God seeks an exclusive relationship with his people. There is no other God. That's the first commandment. There is no other God, and we are not allowed to place another God in front of him, beside him, behind him, whatever. Whatever physical direction we want to put, there is no other God to put up with him. There is just him. So now we go into kind of the church year and the holy days for the Old Testament covenant in verses 14 to 17. Three times in the year you shall keep a feast to me. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. As I commanded you, you shall eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib, for in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty-handed. You shall keep the feast of harvest, of the first fruits of your labor, of what you sow in the field. 
You shall keep the feast of ingathering at the end of the year, when you gather in from the field the fruit of your labor. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before the Lord God. Three annual feasts of the Lord. Three times men were supposed to appear in Jerusalem to worship at the temple or the tabernacle at this time. It was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the week following Passover. You have the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks, 50 days after that, also known as Pentecost. And then you have the Feast of the Ingathering. The Feast of Weeks, the Feast of the Harvest, was the beginning of the harvest. The Feast of the Ingathering was the end of the harvest, also the Feast of Tabernacles, as God further lays out in Leviticus 23, verses 33 through 44. Again, all of this is wrapped around the idea that God is the God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. So the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, is kept in the month of the year that God brought them out. The Feast of Pentecost is there to signify God providing for his people. And the Feast of the Ingathering, the Feast of Tabernacles, is to remind them of the 40 years they spent in the wilderness, living in tents, moving from one place to another. Plus also the numerous years they lived in the Promised Land in the same way. Also the way that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had also lived in the Promised Land during their lives. Verse 18, he says, You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened, or let the fat of my feast remain until the morning. Leaven was not to be offered with any blood sacrifice, which would be the Holocaust, the whole burnt offering, or the sin offering. The grain offering was allowed to have leaven in it, and so was the peace offering. Because even though leaven is a sign of sin, even in the commandments and the sacrifices, that leaven is there to remind people that, yeah, we are sinners. And that we will break this peace once again. But we still strive to make the most of this offering. And the fat of the feast, the goodness of his feast, is not allowed till, to remain until the morning. This was given in the Passover directions back in chapter 12. This was given with the instructions of the manna in chapter 17. None of it was left till morning because it was either to be burned or it rotted. Verse 19, the ESV splits into two parts. The first part says, The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. This is a reminder of the story of Cain and Abel. Abel brought of the fat of the firstlings of his flock. Cain, the farmer, brought what was left over. God says, no, no, you don't give me the leftovers. I want the first thing. My wife and I have been through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University twice, and hopefully one day we will actually be able to go through it a third time, this time teaching and leading the class. But this point is made by Dave Ramsey in the first couple of lessons, because when you get out the budget form that he has you fill out, the first thing on the budget. The first line item you get to is your offering to your congregation. The first fruits of what you have. The second one is one of the more favored kosher laws because, well, it just cuts out a whole lot 
of variety of food here. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. This law basically means no meat and dairy on the same plate. So, no cheeseburgers. I had Jewish friends in junior high and high school. Their biggest thrill in life was to be able to take the band trips where we'd go, especially Christmas time, we would play at one of the malls in Memphis. And they would be away from their parents, away from everybody else that is of Jewish heritage, and they could have a bacon cheeseburger. Because A, you're not allowed to have bacon because pork's forbidden, but also you can't have the meat and cheese together. Me, personally, I can't really fathom eating just a plain burger. I mean, put all the other toppings on there that you want, and I do love toppings on my burgers, but no cheese. Um, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Reason number, I don't even know what, why I am glad I'm not Jewish. All right, we go on into the next section where God promises that he is bringing the people into the promised land to conquer them. So verses 20 through 22. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. This angel God sends before the people was the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. When it moved, the people moved. When it sat still, they camped. And if he sat there for two months, he sat there. If he led them walking for days, they walked for days. As long as you obey the voice of the Lord, you receive the great gifts of the Lord. Verses 23 through 33 finish up this promise of the conquest of Canaan. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you, until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Here is the promise. God is sending hornets. We talk about the whole story 
of now that uh, coronavirus, we're able to get back out again. Now the murder hornets are coming to get the honeybee and we're not going to have any more honey and a whole lot of other things that aren't going to happen because of the lack of bees. But they are told to exterminate, to annihilate the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and all of them. And not to imitate what they did, but to wipe them out completely. And we see what happens when they don't, if you read the book of Joshua. What happens when they don't get rid of everything? What happens when they save a little bit? Even Saul himself, when he is king, loses God's favor because he will not listen to the voice and keeps some of the best things for himself. They were entering the land of Canaan at the time prophesied by God to Abram that when the iniquity of the Amorites would be complete. God promises that back in Genesis chapter 15, verse 16. In terror, hornets will go before them. This is what they see when they get to Jericho. And Rahab says, the whole city is terrified of you because we have heard what has happened in Egypt and all the places around where you have been. And our people are worried that we're next because, well, you're right over there. And it's not going to be just a quick boom and it's over. No, it's a slow process of taking over the land. They cannot take it all over at once because then the land will go desolate in places and it will not be a blessing but a burden as they try to help rebuild their neighbor's economy because they could not do it while taking care of wiping out everybody right away. And God does not want to give them a desolate wasteland. Why? Because that's where they're living now. They are in the wilderness. There is nothing there. They complain about that all the time. And God doesn't want complaints. God wants to bless. He wants glory and honor not because he's got a big ego that we have to pump up but because he's god he is the one who created us he is the one who is giving us all these things so we have that wonderful opportunity to glorify him all if we listen and obey his voice which is exactly what we try to do here at wrestling with theology especially with digging deeper as we get deeper into God's Word. All right, so having finished chapter 23, we have the covenant being confirmed in chapter 24, and I want to make sure I cover all of that in one chunk. I want to end early this week, get that prepped up for next time so that we can look at the whole thing where God has His people come with Him. And it's a very wonderful picture, and I don't want to just try to run through it with just a couple of minutes to try to do the whole thing. So we hear God say, if you will listen to my voice, you will have all these blessings. He said that to Israel in the wilderness. Jesus said it to Israel in Jerusalem. Paul said it to churches around the world. And churches around the world say it again, if you will but listen to his voice. You will have all these things. 
And one of the biggest things he gives us from listening to his voice and obeying it is the opportunity for refreshment of the Sabbath, the times of the holy days where we get to praise him for the different things that he has given to us and that he provides for us. Until next time, this is Pastor Doug Minton wishing God's richest blessings on you as you wrestle with theology this week. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments about what you have heard on Wrestling with Theology, send an email to wrestlingwiththeology at gmail.com. If you have enjoyed this podcast, make sure you have subscribed so it will show up automatically on your podcast app. Please also share the podcast so that more may be equipped to wrestle with theology.